0: God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Our children are being dismissed at this time as well to go to a children's church. Miss Angie is teaching them today. Thank you, Miss Angie. I should say, begrudgingly teaching them today. See, the bad thing is being sister to the pastor. Because then the pastor can call you at any moment and be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> we need your help. And I'm just joking. She's always been such a, such a willing servant in our church for many years. Okay. So, what do you think of when you think of your dad? John Wayne. We've learned a few weeks ago, Miss Faith, my questions are rhetorical. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mike ruined it for everybody, so... uh, No, I'm just joking. Um, No, you're good. I was giving everybody a moment to think about it. It's called a pregnant pause. It's a rhetorical device. One of the things I think about with my dad is a pin much like this. Anybody who knew my dad knew he always carried pins like these. And it was his pin. And it was always in his shirt pocket. I don't even have a shirt pocket. You know, my grandpa, my dad's dad, he had two shirt pockets. My, uh, my grandma would actually buy him whenever they stopped doing two pockets. On the front, she would buy him long-sleeve shirts. She would cut off the sleeves, hem the sleeves, to, and then to make a pocket out of one of those sleeves so that he could have two pockets. He had to have one for his cigarettes and one for his uh, pens and his glasses, right? My dad didn't need a pocket for his cigarettes, so he just stuck with one pocket. And here I am. We've devolved to this point to where I don't even have any pockets on my shirt. Can y'all believe it? My dad would always have one of these pens in his pocket. So anytime I see a pen like this, naturally I think about Rick Austin. And um, it's not really super significant, a pen. But that's the thing. Sometimes is, it's not the most significant things that you hang on to when you think about people sometimes you think about a smile a laugh you can think about just an off off the wall remark that they made one time but it's interesting because it's just a pin but because i think of the pin or because i think of my dad When I see a pen like this, that gives significance to this pen, right? It's bedtime, everybody. That gives significance to this pen. You know, um, Jesus, humanly speaking, was an insignificant man. He wasn't born to royalty, nobility. Now, I know he came in the long lineage of royalty and nobility, but by the time that Jesus arrives on the scene, they're not the ones in power. Jesus doesn't live in Jerusalem. The center of power of Israel, he's not born in, in in David's old home that he built for the before he built the temple. He's born in David's hometown, Bethlehem. Then he leaves and goes to Egypt, and then he comes out of Egypt grows up in Nazareth. And y'all remember what uh, Nathaniel said at the end of John chapter 1. Does any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus, humanly speaking, human metrics, was insignificant. Yes, I know crowds followed him. People gathered round about him. There were times whenever they wanted to make him king. John chapter 6 tells us that after he fed the, 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 the multitudes that day, they wanted to forcefully make him king. But sometime later, Jesus was arrested and he had no counsel. And they lied about him. And nobody advocated for him. And then they said, aren't you going to speak up and say something for yourself? He said nothing. And they crucified him. And now his crucifixion means a lot to us. But in that day, they were a dime a dozen. But Jesus came, and when we think about Jesus, we know now when we think about God the Father. See, Jesus was insignificant in this world standard but through his resurrection and through the testimony of his disciples and the church since. When we hear the name Jesus, we think of God. That makes Jesus not so insignificant, does it? Of course, I'm thinking about this because... Last week, we began to began to explore, discover. The statement that Paul says, which aligns with what all the other New Testament writers say, but what we read this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we think about God... Because of Jesus, which gives significance to Jesus for us today. 2,000 years after this man lived and died. Before he lived again. And when we think about God, we don't just think about God as an esoteric idea as a distant deity, as a disconnected, disembodied personality. Through Jesus, when we think of God, we think of Father. Now to be sure, Considering God as Father was not new to Jesus. Now, some of y'all were taught that. Some of y'all were taught that whenever Jesus said, hey, y'all pray our Father which art in heaven. And they said, now he's saying Abba, Father. And it would be like somebody saying Daddy. And Jesus is trying to show them, hey, you have an intimate relationship with God uh, in heaven. And that was brand new. Well, that's baloney. It was not brand new in Jesus' day. Uh, um, (coughs) Excuse me. We've discussed this before. In the Old Testament, God is referenced as the father to Israel a number of times. Now it's not the largest portion of references to God. It's actually one of the minority reports. Um, But that's the interesting thing about Jesus is he always takes the minority report about God and he wants to exemplify that and elevate that. Because there's reports that you and I really like. We like the idea of God being a mighty warrior who kicks our enemies in the rear end and slaughters them and gets them out of our way. We don't really like the, uh, you know, it's not the easiest thing for us to get to, to go like, hey, God's like a mom who dandles you on her knees. Or God is like a shepherd herding a bunch of stupid sheep. Or God is like a father. It's only used about a dozen times in the Old Testament. This reference to God being father. There's some implicit references, but those are explicit references. So it wasn't brand new to Jesus. For one. For two... Um, Whenever you look at the uh, contemporary uh, writings around Jesus' day, the contemporary Jewish writings, like uh, some of y'all grew up with the Bible that had uh, these these books called the Apocrypha in it. Uh, Those are good historical books in which we can understand what people were thinking uh, during the time between uh, the return from exile and the arrival of Christ. There's about 400 years of human history, lived history there. And during that time, there's a lot of references to God being the Father. There's even prayers in which they would address God as Father. So Jesus wasn't doing something brand new, mind you, in the sense of uh, of turning people's minds and hearts onto God being like a Father, But the new thing that Jesus, that happened in Jesus, and we discussed this a little bit last week, the new thing that happens in Jesus, and we find this all throughout John's gospel, is that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the one to whom the Father gives life, as it were. And Jesus is the one through whom the Father gives life. So when we think about Jesus... And, and, and let's just say this: even though he's very significant to you, he's insignificant to a lot of people today. Right? He has significance because he teaches us about God. And whenever he does, he teaches us about God, the Father. And everything we know about God, the Father, we should know in relation to Jesus Christ. You know, there's an interesting thing. Before I had my son Asher... I was not a father. Right? Sometimes I'll tell Asher, hey man, I love you. You're the one who made me a dad. And I'll go, what? As we explore God being father, one of the things that we should do is go from the gospel perspective God was father of Israel God was father of this people but, but God in his fatherhood uh, this, this dynamic relationship really takes shape and really takes form whenever Jesus comes on the scene now let's just say this Jesus was never not on the scene right Right, But when Jesus is incarnate flesh and blood He gives shape and He gives definition and He gives reality and He gives weight and meaning and He gives fuller understanding to what it means for God to be Father. It's like before Jesus came We knew the concept, but in Christ, and as we study Christ, we get to see the form and the function of it. Now today, I stand here before you on Father's Day doing a job that my dad did for many years. I do the same work that my dad did. We, are, we would be father and son despite the work, right? Um, my dad was a good dad. He never said, hey, I want you to be a preacher, boy. He might have had that in his heart. But anytime we said, dad, you know, what do you want us to do when we grow up? All I want my kids to do is to be in the will of the Lord. He said, I don't care what they do. And my dad was one of those ones who said, my son could be a minister and not be in the will of the Lord. Right? But we do get to do the same work. This morning, one of the things that I want us to think about as we think about God the Father, God the Son, is that they're doing the same work. And that's one of the key things that binds them together. It's not just their nature that unites them. It's not just their authority that unites them. They're united in the work that they do. And here's the work. First, uh, the book of John, chapter number one, in the middle of the prologue, beginning in verse number 10. It says, he was in the world. Now, this is not a rhetorical question. Who is he in this context? Say it louder. I heard it. Jesus. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons, or we could just say children, of God, even to them that believe on his name. These were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Today, simply want us to sit back and remark, marvel, that in Jesus, we have refilled the Father. John says that later on, actually, In the context. He says no one has seen the father at any time. But the son. Who is in the bosom. He has declared him. To us. Revealed him. To us. And here's what Jesus. Came to reveal. God wants to make you sons and daughters. I'm his only begotten son. But God wants me to have brothers and sisters. Now, here's where you and I are always going to struggle at this. Because you and I always have human concepts of what fatherhood is. And some of those concepts are really good, some of those are joyful. Some of those are really terrible. For some, dad wasn't always there. Is not there. And not because he wasn't present in physical form, but because he wasn't present emotionally. Or because he had other uh, priorities. And so sometimes whenever You think about God, that concept of your father who was not there gets in the way. Now, some of us were spoiled rotten by our dads. And I don't mean in the good way, right? Oh, y'all don't want to own up to this? And so whenever you think about God, God should only be giving, 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 giving. Or maybe some of you weren't spoiled by dad, but you thought that's what dad should have been doing, and so that's what you project onto God too. But Jesus didn't say that he came to give you your concept of a father. He said, I came to make you children Of God the Father. And I'm going to teach you about God the Father. And lesson number one is simply this. He wants you and everyone in this world. To be his children. And the way that you become his children. Is by hearing my voice. Responding to me, Jesus says. And so, I want us to think about this today. The work that God wants, making everybody his children. The work that Jesus carries out is the work that we share in. It's the work that you and I get to participate in. This is the work of our lives. It should be. The work of our lives. And by that, I do not mean the work of your life is to pass out tracts every day or to stand on street corners and speak through megaphones some people are called to do those things. But we should have a broader understanding of what it means to be a living witness, a testimony that God wants everyone in this world to be his children, to participate in the work of making sons and daughters of God. And Jesus gives us some Some fresh perspective on that, doesn't he? About this broader way in which you do it. The broader way of him just hanging out with people. Loving them. Calling them out whenever they're being silly and stupid and dumb. Foolish. Foolhearted. Angry. Violent. Encouraging them whenever they are doing what's good and right and just. When they got the answer right on Wednesday, we talked about Proverbs. Uh, We were reading through Proverbs uh, 15, and in Proverbs 15 it says, "How good does it like basically? How good does it feel whenever you get the answer right?" (laughs) It's just like that's the proverb. It feels really good to get the answer right, and everybody's like, "Yeah, that I feel good whenever I get the answer right." Jesus celebrates when we get the answers right. When we do it right. But I guess that's the thing is, if we are going to be the sons and daughters of God, and if Jesus' work as son of God was to make sons and daughters of God, then doesn't it make sense that that's our work too? That our work, as insignificant as we are, and if you don't think you're insignificant, go drop yourself in the middle of the ocean. Our friends from Israel, well, they're not from Israel. They moved to Israel, sadly, last year. Uh, We got to spend the day with them yesterday, and uh, they got to move to Israel right in the middle of quarantine. And then they've been in Israel uh, in, uh, in the midst of a, a military conflict where they had to run to their fallout shelter. We were talking about how they were able to go uh, explore a little bit because nobody was exploring during quarantine. He said that they showed up to the old city of Jerusalem, hired a tour guide, right after like it was like right whenever things were starting to open up and the tour guide said this is my first time to be here since covid and then they got there and the city was desolate and jerusalem is never desolate it's a melting pot of centuries of cultures together He said it was awesome, but we were talking about sightseeing and things of that nature and just how whenever you're over there in Israel, it's uh, like somewhere like that where there's, it's not just that it's old, but you know the ancient history, especially as students of the Bible, you can connect to stuff 2,000, 3,000 years ago. I said, man, I always can remember this at the very north of of Israel, there's this 4,000 year old gate. And when we went, and we had to go through this, hike this trail through this lush garden to get to this 4,000-year-old gate back in 2015 when we went, I remember standing there going, I'm nothing. I'm nothing in this world. But see, you know what gives our lives significance And dads, this is important for us. Because as men, we struggle with whether or not we're being significant. We're making an impact. We're leaving a legacy. What makes our lives significant is that we too we too have the power and the ability through the power of the Spirit, through the life of the Son, to bring to fresh reality God in this world. And not any God, not a God, but God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, after the resurrection, Jesus didn't just call my father. See, in John chapter number one, it says, hey, he came so that people could become the children of God. And all throughout the text, John and Jesus will call God the father, my father or Jesus's father or his father. And any other time, they just say, you can be children of God. Anyone who hears the Son can become children of God. But in John chapter number 20, on the morning of his resurrection, when Mary comes to find him, and she doesn't find him, and she runs and she gets to the disciples, and one of the disciples was faster than the other one. I always have to point that out because it's in the text. So it must be very important, right? Right? One was faster than the other one, got there first, but waited until the other one got there. And then when Peter got in there, they both went in, looked, saw everything, was like Mary had said. She wasn't crazy, she wasn't demented, she wasn't just filled with grief. She saw what she saw, and it was verified. And they stumble out of there, and she is left weeping. Weeping. And then she sees a man who she supposes is the gardener. And I imagine she's not even looking up, she just sees another figure there. And her eyes are filled with tears. And she is kind of at this moment a little delirious. Because she can't make heads or tails of what's going on. Why would they steal his body? Not once does she think, let's hope in the resurrection. Because she's human like you and me. And when things don't seem to be going the way that we think that they should be going, we don't go, it's okay, we're going to hope in the resurrection. We go, what happened? Why is it this way? And guess what? You're allowed to say what happened and why is it this way? And she says, sir, do you know where they took him? And Jesus said unto her, Mary... And that's all he had to say because I know my sheep by name. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say master or teacher. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. See what he said to them? Don't go to my disciples. Go to my brothers. My brothers and my sisters. And say unto them. I ascend unto my father. And your father. To my God. To your God. See the work that he set out to do. In the prologue through the telling of the story of Jesus, John has fulfilled when we get to this story here. The work that Jesus came to do to make sons and daughters of God has begun. It is It's an active power in this world right now. And on the morning of the resurrection, after his suffering death, after being buried, when he rose from death, he says, go to my brothers sister and let them know I'm back but I'm not staying because I got to go to my father who by the way now is your father my God who is your God so you and I As insignificant as we are. Have been made. Highly significant. Through the life. Death. Burial. Resurrection. Of Jesus. Because you and I. Who've heard his name. Or heard his voice. And responded to him. Isn't that interesting? All you had to hear him say was your name and you look to him. You follow him. You are brothers and sisters of the one who gave himself for you. You're sons and daughters of Father God. So then, let us keep the work going. How are we going to do that when we go out this week quite simply it always comes down to this the great work that Jesus did we know was the work that he did on the cross now you and I we don't have the, uh, the power the efficacy for our blood to cover anybody else right But we do have the power and the ability to forgive people whenever they get out of line. Now, sometimes whenever we think about this, we go, okay, now if something happens this week and somebody tries to fight me, I'm going to walk away. I bet you're probably not going to get in a fight this week with another person outside of your home. But I have a sneaking suspicion that the person who you abide with and the people that you abide with are going to drive you a bit nuts this week. They're going to be a little selfish or you're going to uh, presume that they're being selfish. They're going to have a hurtful or hateful tone or you're going to take their tone hurtfully and hatefully. They're going to say some words that you wish they wouldn't have said and you're going to tell them, I wish you would just say this. Now, if that doesn't sound like your house, Let me come over. I need a safe space. Now, you know, when Paul talks about forgiving and forbearing. He's talking about the church doing that with the church. He's talking about family members doing that with family members. And then we go beyond that. And we don't just keep that for our family. But the point being is this. You and I can forgive like Jesus forgave. You and I. You and I can love. In the way that Paul defines love. As being patient. Kind, long-suffering, gentle, that doesn't boast itself. We can love in the way that we find in Galatians 6 and 1 Corinthians 13. So, what's new? None of this. None of this is new. But I hope that this week we can find it doesn't have to be new to be significant. And with that, I say, amen. 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 Uh, I'm going to invite our uh, praise team to go ahead and come up. Um, They'll begin playing and singing uh, after I pray this morning. Um, And uh, as they do, I would just invite you just to consider that which has been spoken today. And not what I've spoken, but consider that which the Spirit has been speaking to you today. Maybe you need a minute just to process that. So I'd invite you even at this time to say, okay, God, I heard these words. What do you want me to get out of it? Or God, I've heard your word, and we respond to that. That's what this time is for. It's for us to talk to God about what God's talking to us about. And so I'm going to pray over us, I'm going to invite you all into that time. And then uh, Brother Mitch will begin singing. And when you're ready to join in the song, you join in the song. And if you're never ready to join in the song, you feel confident just to sit right there before Holy God meeting with him.